Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of State of the Art. I'm really excited to be back in the chair today. I've been away for a little bit. Um, last month, we had a really, really cool guest host, Dorothy Santos. Hope everybody was listening to that. Um, had a really interesting theme. Uh, and today, I'm excited to again turn over the reins to another guest host, uh, Chicago-based artist and activist, Michelle Hartney, who's going to be taking over for July's theme, Art and Morality. Uh, really excited about this. Uh, Michelle, your own work uses fiber, embroidery, installation, video, performance, uh, internet, a little bit of everything as a creative medium to address contemporary social and political issues. So uh, I'm really excited to jump into this. How, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Where are you? Where are we talking to you from today? So I am at home right now. I actually started in my studio, but the Wi-Fi was not happening there. So I came home and um, it's quiet and peaceful. So (laughs) (laughs) through the miracle of Skype, we are able to talk today. Yes. (laughs) Awesome. So so you're going to be taking over the podcast for July. Um, You're kind of doing a deep dive into art morality, a topic that is really central to your own practice. Um, and we first came to know about you back in 2018. You did a really cool guerrilla performance at the Met uh, where you affixed self-authored didactic panels or educational panels uh, next to the museum's official ones for works by Pablo Picasso and Paul Gauguin. Um, can you tell us a little bit about this specific performance and what you were trying to do with this? Yeah, sure. Um so post Me Too, obviously a lot has been stirring and changing, um, uh, not so much in the art world. I feel like it's penetrated into the movie business a lot more than it has in other creative um, fields like music and art. So I, I really started um, looking into um, the topic of separating the art from the artist, which is controversial and in the past um i think when people brought that topic up it kind of it gets shut down pretty quickly Mm. uh, because it's hard to navigate so i wanted to do um do some work about that topic and i wasn't sure how so i just kind of let it brew for a little while um which is how i I get you know what it's kind of how i start off um when I have a project I want to make, just let it sit for a while. Um, and I think the um, what kind of got things going for me was when there was a petition to either contextualize or take down the Balthus painting at the Met. Um, I think it was a couple of years ago now. And um, there was a lot of controversy over that, and understandably so, um, because taking on the piece is not an option because that's censorship and we can't, you know, go down that route. So um, the museum really didn't make a statement and um, obviously decided not to contextualize the piece and um, really did not have a conversation with the women who were hoping to start up a conversation about this. So, um, So that was my starting point. And um, I've been looking a lot into the men that have been in the media for um, uh, making some horrible choices, you know, like. Uh, <laughs> to put it lightly, very <laughs> political. Put it 
<laughs> I know. So, um, you know, Woody Allen and Polanski and um, and then in the art world, Picasso and Gauguin and Chuck Close have been under the microscope for um, the ways they have treated women. Um, so, I, yeah, I decided that I wanted to do a guerrilla protest. I had done one at the Art Institute of Chicago a few months prior the same kind of style, putting up a wall label next to about this piece in this case to contextualize it um, and talk a little bit more about his life as an artist and the things that he was doing um, at the time that he was making work. So yeah, the Met uh, guerrilla protest was um, simply me adhering two wall labels that had text um, that was actually taken from, um, for the Picasso one, it was taken from the brilliant Netflix comedy special that comedian Hannah Gadsby um, put out, I think it was last year, yeah, last year, um, where she tackled this topic and many other topics within her comedy special. Um, and she talked about specifically Picasso and it was so inspiring and her the words she used were perfect and I, I couldn't have said it better so I put a quote from that comedy special in as the alternate wall label um, and I made the wall label look like it was supposed to be there um, <laughs> <laughs> and I made sure to use an adhesive that would not do any damage to their wall, to their paint. I, I didn't want to obviously um, do any vandalism. Uh, it's very, very so, art world of you. Very considerate. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, and it was, it was pretty, um, it was pretty easy to do. Uh, I just really went up to the piece and when the guard wasn't looking, I put it up and, took some photos and walked away and then proceeded to the Gauguin piece that I wanted to put um, the label next to. And for that piece, I used um, a snippet uh, of a quote from an article that Roxane Gay wrote about separating the art from the artist. Um, and yeah, and then I, I left and um they, the, I was told that the labels were taken down the next morning. We did it late in, in the uh, evening. So, mm. and yeah, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> so as you mentioned a second ago, you know, this really isn't about censorship and the art world is very sensitive to that. Um, but rather, you know, there is something to be said for the art world sort of glossing over reprehensible behavior and, you know, really lionizing heroes that, um, have pretty suspect personal lives. So I guess what would you propose uh, institutions to do with this this piece that you've kind of started? I, I would love for cultural institutions to first off, just as a first step, open up the com this conversation. And um, because right now, most museums have really, um, have really just shut it down and refuse to listen. Um, the, the cool thing is there are some museums that are taking this seriously and um, we're actually going to be talking to curators from the Delaware Art Museum on the third episode. They're really doing amazing work um, to contextualize the work that they're showing more. Um, so 
And they're doing it in a way that I really love. And this is what I, I hope that more museums will do is they're asking the public for feedback and they're doing it in a really approachable way. Um, they basically mm. have post-it notes and they're asking the visitors to their museums to just put up suggestions for how do we deal with this artwork that um, was owned by and paid for by slave owners that owned a plantation. Um, so they really want the public to give them their feedback to see how do we present this work? Cause the way that we're presenting it now, we can't continue to do it this way. Um, so I think that would be a great start for just museums to open up the dialogue dialogue. So, I, I mean, I guess to have the conversation with, with you right now, what is your, what is your position kind of on this classic debate about, um, you know, does knowing the sort of dirty secrets of the artists take away from the artwork itself? Um, you know, can we appreciate um, and have love for artwork that was created by someone who we uh, do not have sort of a moral equality with? Where, what, what kind of conversation should we be having around this? That is so tricky. <laughs> I am not going to say that I really have any answers. I think that on an individual level, it is such a personal decision and none of us can be saying, you can't like Picasso anymore because of this and that. Um, but I think that the harm is done when we don't talk about what's happening behind the scenes, what these artists, these male artists um, are doing to women or have done to women. So um, I think to start off um, just giving information. So whether it's a museum that is doing a retrospective on whatever artist Chuck Close, um, I just, I don't feel like it's responsible or moral to ignore what these men have been doing. So I think, um, I think it's a little bit easier maybe in the art world because we can use a wall label and get that information art. It's harder in other industries for certain, like with music, we've been, people have been talking a lot about R. Kelly. Mm, um, mm. and I'm, it's a little bit of a different situation with R. Kelly than a Picasso. So this is a spe there's a spectrum of bad behavior, which, creates a lot more complications for sure. Sure. But I feel like the way to make change, one of the big ways to make change is really to hurt people or industries financially. So, um, you know, I guess that would include, like, personally, I will never pay to see Louis C.K. perform. Um I'm not going to say that he's not a super talented comic or, or that Picasso wasn't a talented painter. Like you really can't deny that. And you can't really get into someone's personal relationship with a piece of art. Um, Cause it's just, it, it's such a personal, um, it, this is such a personal relationship that people have to um, things that they're attracted to creatively. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the the conversation surrounding it, we're in such a like early phase of all of this that I think a lot of us don't know how to move forward. So I feel like this is just the conversational stage and people need to listen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting. I mean, it's like it, it, 
it's one of those things. I mean, there's always been an aspect to artwork. And, you know, when you go to a museum, part of the reason why you see an artwork in a museum versus a private collection or something like that is that, you know, you want to get the context with it. There's a time and a place that that thing was created in. There's um, maybe a time and a place in the artist's life, you know, all this other, uh, all this other information that, um, makes an artwork interesting that can give you a deeper appreciation that can kind of surprise you, make you scratch your head about, well, how does that make sense? Um, and it seems to me that this is, you know, w- what maybe you're saying is um, we need to be giving sort of a fair weight to some of these more seedier uh, parts of the artist's history as part of the context of the work itself. Not that it necessarily says one thing or another about the artwork, but that you know, yes. it informs where the artwork comes from. Yeah. And, uh, you know, most museum, most museums have a mission statement that includes educating the public. Right. Um, and so when information that a lot of us consider to be important, especially post me too, you know, times have really changed. Um, so yeah, I think that it's, um, it's something that moving forward can't be ignored anymore. Yeah. Do you, do you think, um, you know, one of the unique things about, about artwork and paintings is that, um, you know, a lot of these women have actually been, uh, sort of immortalized in the works of the artist. Do you think there's a difference when, you know, say it's a muse or something like that versus, um, you know, this just being a separate part of the artist's life? Yeah, I mean, I do. It's again, like, you know, it's this, there's a spectrum of different types of bad behavior. And um, it definitely, it makes it more complicated adds another layer when um, the artist was taking advantage of um, the the woman that they were actually using as their source of inspiration. Um, And Picasso definitely is one is one and Gauguin too, that included um their muses in their work and also you know Gauguin was sleeping with and married uh, I believe three teenage girls I think they were around the age of 14 um while he was making that body of work and you know he was spreading venereal diseases to young girls um and painting them as well so that I feel does change the relationship with the work of art a little bit more than if you just had a, you know, a landscape um, or an abstract piece that wasn't um, involving the, the, the woman who was being sexually abused or sexually harassed or just horribly mistreated by a misogynist artist. So what has the response been to this work oh. and, uh, and are you happy with it? Um, the response has been pretty good. Um, I definitely feel like it's, it got more people talking about this, especially I think after the, the Met action more than the, the two that I did at the Art Institute. Um, but there have been negative, there's been some negativity as well. Um, online I've been, I've had people accuse me of being a fascist and compared me to Hitler just because, um, I think. So it's a little extreme. It's a little extreme. <laughs> Where I mean, what perspective is leading to that? I mean, I think it's because people really haven't heard my whole um, 
statement about the work that I'm doing. And I'm always very clear that I don't believe in censorship. Um, but I think that either people aren't getting my whole message and viewpoint, or I mean, people like to complain and, you know, be nasty on social media. And that's most, that's where all of this is coming from. So I, I can't really pay much attention to that. But, um, for the most part, uh, uh, definitely people have been, um, encouraging. And I think a lot of people want to see this change happen and they want more information and, um, they want to learn more about artists lives too. I think that's something that has always really interested people. And even if that information is difficult to swallow, I think we want to know, I think people want to know. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so interesting that there would be, you know, uh, I almost I have find it difficult to see another perspective. Um, I mean, I, I get the sort of censorship conversation, but given that you're not actually trying to censor things, I find it. Um, I, I would I would be interested to hear an educated perspective that would say more information about the artist is a bad thing. <laughs> I know, yeah, <laughs> but. I mean, I've heard, um, I've heard, uh, I can't remember the name of this art critic, but, um, there was an article that I read that was in response to the proposal to take down or contextualize about this piece at the Met. And, um, a lot of people have kind of given this defense of, well, if we're going to go down that route, then a museum is going to have to contextualize like almost all of their collection. Hmm. And, I don't, oh, okay, so is that where we need to go? Like, that says a lot about, um, it says a lot about the artwork and the artists. <laughs> and the artists who are on those walls. <laughs> um, because there's also, you know, it's obviously not just uh, uh, misogyny and the patriarchy. It's This is happening um, when we're looking into the whole movement to decolonize museums. Hmm. Um which is, I think people are more open to, um, to museums <clears throat> taking a deeper look at, um, at how they are presenting or even if they should present work of, you know, human remains, um, from indigenous tribes and, mm. and artifacts that were essentially stolen from graves and museums have just, historically been presenting this work from a very, you know, white perspective without getting any feedback from the people they, this has been stolen from. Um, so I think that the more we get into this and the more museums that are setting up a really good example for how we can approach this, I think more people will be on board, I'm hoping, um, and we can get out, well, we're not going to get out of this situation entirely. I think it's always going to be really complicated, especially with cultural institutions that often have people in power that are, um, you know, the, like a board, the board, or often when you have a very wealthy collector who is also a big donor to a big museum um, when they present their own collections it's often not necessarily the curator that has control of what 
information is being presented. So it's a really complicated problem with a lot of layers. It's going to take a while to, to fix all of this, hmm. but I feel like we have, a, we're, we're, we're starting from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, it, it becomes a slippery slope for sure. Um, to to try to sort of reorganize all of that, I guess you got to pick got to pick one angle to start from, right? Yeah, for sure. Do you think this is just kind of a curiosity of mine um, as someone who does not sort of specialize in this kind of research? Have you seen any kind of a double standard in terms of like are there are there women artists who have um, who've also sort of had particularly seedy backgrounds that? Um, maybe don't get as much attention or get more attention? Oh, my God. I can't think of any visual artists right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting. It doesn't mean there, are, you know, that there aren't any. Um, I guess the first thing that comes into my head is that, you know, female artists really haven't been given the opportunity to be in museums and to have their work seen as much as male artists have. Hmm. Um, it's changing now. Um, and in the past few decades, although we're not where we need to be yet. Um, so I guess from that starting point, like we don't have a, as large of a pool of female artists to, to, you know, investigate than the male artists. Um, so I, I guess I don't know of any on the top of my head. I'm not saying there aren't. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a smaller pool to even start from. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, uh, I'm i really excited uh, about this topic, and I'm sure that this is something that will uh, carry on into your conversations this month. Um, but I also want to move on a little bit and let the uh, listeners know that you're working on a documentary film around the power of art and protest and how cultural institutions are presenting their work. Uh, can you tell us and our listeners a little bit more about this? Yeah, um, we're kind of in the middle right now of um, we're filming right now. Um, we're Yeah, we want to make a film that takes a deeper dive into this whole topic. Um, and we, we kind of, we started with the topic of separating the art from the artist and then realized that that was too narrow and we had to really take a step back. And, um, and we really saw that what we were looking into was how, um, artists are using, especially post, you know, the election that artists are mm. using a lot of, um, they're, they're using their work to make statements um, and especially post me too. And um, there's just, too, there are too many exciting things going on and too many artists doing um, important work about what's going on in these institutions. So we are talking about the power of art and protest, but we are looking at it um, for the most part through what's going on right now with women in art and then also what's going on with, you know, decolonizing museums. So we've had some really interesting interviews right um, in the past few months, um, including we, we had a great interview with someone from the National Coalition Against Censorship. Hmm. Uh, I got that right. And um, they gave us so many interesting um, viewpoints and I think they made they challenge us to to you know really really challenge ourselves to think about um, how we can approach uh, 
uh, how we can approach this um, really difficult situation that a lot of these museums are facing with what to do with these artists. That didn't make any sense. Sorry. (laughs) 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 I've had, I'm like having more experience with this documentary, like where I'm just like, I black out sometimes, like (laughs) literally black out. And I'm like, I don't know what I just said. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I I love it. (laughs) Sorry. No, sometimes that happens. Your brain goes into like, like, I know, I know, I know what I know. (laughs) How do I get it out there? (laughs) <laughs> where so where where did the documentary come from like what was the um where was your starting point for that um the documentary the documentary really started um with my friend becky she is a producer and um we were just talking about the the balthus uh guerrilla protest that i did at the yard in Institute of Chicago, and she was really interested in um, in that project and in this bigger conversation about um, what's going on in the art world post Me Too. So it really just started. We had dinner and um, we're kind of discussing uh, my work, and then Becky's background in filmmaking really. I don't know. It was just like the spark and she it was super organic. She's like, we need to do something with this um, because it is also such a hot topic right now. And sure. There really um, needs to be a documentary. We feel that's really capturing what's happening real time. Um, this whole movement. So, uh, where, yeah. Where is this art? Like, so, um, you know, you, you said you're kind of really excited about what some of the artists are are doing sort of in the post me too movement um, or era and sort of obviously with the recent elections and sort of political climate, where are you finding that these artists and artworks are living? Um, sorry, where, where they're living, where are they living? Like, is this, are you seeing this in institutions? Is this happening sort of like at a pop culture level? Where, where oh. are you actually seeing the seams of this happening? Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, yeah. So I think, um, we're kind of, we're kind of covering a lot of different, um, artists who are using different methods for, for, um, their protests. So I think it's, they're kind of happening all over the place. Um, we interviewed Emma Sokolowitz, who did a great protest at MoMA um, after all the Chuck Close allegations came out. So mm. we're talking to women who are actively doing protests within museums. And then um, and then we're also talking to artists who are kind of using more like multimedia. Um, so they're using... Um, a mixture of writing and, you know, actual visual output and um, a lot of gathering people from the community to, um, to get their voices out and to protest. So it's, it's, I guess it's living in a lot of different spaces with the people that we've been talking to. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people sort of through, through your community of artists, I would assume. Yeah, for sure. I um, I definitely. Um, I mean, I. I mean, I'm connected with a lot of feminist artists, and I'm a fan girl of so many women that are doing really incredible work right now. So, 
um, the more, the more I get kind of connected with these different women, it's just, um, yeah, it's just this, uh, it's an organic thing where we're kind of, um, I meet more and more women and then it kind of starts these interesting collaborations and projects. Um, so we're kind of, it's really cool. Like the art world, I think I've heard artists say that they're, it, it can be competitive, of course. And, um, what I've found, at least my personal experience experiences with working, um, collaborating with feminist artists is it's just this lovely sisterhood of, of women who want to hold each other up and we're kind of, we're all fighting for the same thing. And so it's been just, it's been so lovely to develop like this sisterhood and really like this, these loving bonds with, um, with, uh, my peers that are just trying to right some wrongs and make some art. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what, oh man, that's, that's the best part of the artist community. Whenever you move past kind of, all of the all of the trappings of what you got to do to get seen and how to get your work out there and you get to the people that are just trying to focus on a message and make make some work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh so I guess kind of to to bring this to a close, um you know, when when we came across your body of work, uh we were really excited about what you've worked on and we knew that you'd be the perfect person to kind of lead the conversation around uh, art morality. So um, for our listeners, can you give them a little bit of an idea for where you'd like to take that topic this month and what they can look forward to? Sure. So it's obviously a super broad topic. <laughs> it is. gone down so many different directions with it. Um, but I'm going to focus on... Uh, for the first two episodes, um, women in art and how women have been represented um, throughout history, female artists, and then also how um, women have been um, presented by male artists within their work and exploited. So um, for that topic, I'm going to be interviewing a wonderful art historian from London named Catherine McCormick. Um, and, and then I'm going to take a look at that from an institutional level. So we're going to talk to one of the founding members of the Gorilla Girls um, to get – oh, I'm so excited for that. Know, that's super <laughs> exciting. Yeah, they're, like, I mean, they're just like the epicenter of um, what's going on with that, and they have been for several decades. Um, and then the last two episodes, I'm going to look more into um, – uh, decolonizing museums and um, I'm going to talk to some folks from the Delaware Art Museum who are doing really great work right now um, around that topic and then for the last episode um, I'm going to be looking more into the financial side of these institutions and who's controlling the narrative and who's controlling what we're seeing and how money um, plays a role in that. Um. And, uh, what are you, what are you most excited about? Um, I mean, I'm just excited to learn. Like I love to learn and I, I love that I'm able to, um, talk to experts on this topic. Um, people who really dedicated their lives to these very specific topics. Um, and I'm just so excited to talk to one of the gorilla girls. <laughs> <laughs> They're my heroes and they have, uh, 
made a huge impact on me. Um, and yeah, it's just, I'm going to really try hard to play it cool, but I cannot guarantee that. <laughs> like go in there with like a hat that you're asking for her to autograph <laughs> while you're giving the interview. Oh man. Well, I am super excited for you. I mean, I have to say one of the perks of this job is definitely getting to meet and talk to people that, that you admire and are kind of fangirling on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, uh, Michelle, I'm super excited for this month. Um, I, I think this theme is a really interesting one. Um, the the timing is right right now. Obviously, you know that. That's what your work has been about. But I think uh, for our listeners, I think people are going to be really engaged with this whole conversation. Um, and uh, I wish you all the best. I know we're in really great hands. But before I let you go, uh, our listeners know that we always do rapid fire questions for all of our uh, all of our guests. So, do you have a couple minutes? Yeah. All right. So the name of the game is just to to fire back as quickly as you can, whatever answer comes off the top of your head. All right. Okay. I, might, I hope I don't get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> if you do, it makes it way better for me. So okay, you know. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, the first one is fairly easy. Uh, what is your favorite hidden gem in Chicago? Can be a bar, a venue, anything. Ooh. Oh, okay. Off the top of my head, it, I'm thinking of um, we have an amazing uh, contemporary photography museum that not a lot of people have heard about. So, um, yeah. Very nice. What's it called, Dina? It's um, oh my God, why am I blanking? <laughs> museum of Contemporary Photography. I think I'm blanking right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it's okay. We'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> That's Vanessa always loves when I do this. Anytime uh, a guest or I can't think of something, I just say we'll put it in the show notes and make Vanessa do the research. She'll love this part of the interview. (laughs) It's MOCP. That's totally the name of it. I got it. MOCP. Very nice. Very nice. (laughs) All right. So if uh, if God forbid your home was on fire and you could run in and only grab one thing out of your home, what would it be? Oh my god. Are the humans out? Are my kids out? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's safe and sound. Humans and pets are safe and sound. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, man. If I had to make you choose which kid, that'd be terrible. Yeah, I'm like, what the kind of question is this? Okay, the first thing I'm thinking of is this. This is such a lame answer, but I have this shawl that it's like my whoopee. I, like, wear it all the time, and it has this cool evil eye in the back, and it's just, it's like my comfort little article of clothing i I think i'd grab that (laughs) that is that is awesome (laughs) i've asked this question to a couple of people and nobody has had anything quite so wholesome as your (laughs) your blankie i love that my blankie (laughs) it's really cool looking too so (laughs) (laughs) so it's not just the the heart it's also a fashion statement yeah i get that you gotta look good (laughs) all right and last but not least what advice would you have for uh any young artists who are kind of trying to get into the art activism game? Oh, wow. Um, I think you just have to choose something that is just in you so deep and you are so passionate about it that, um, that you cannot go on unless you're making work about this topic. So really finding something that is in your soul that you want to correct and make better. I think that's the advice I would have. Beautiful. I love it. 
Well, Michelle, like I said, I am so grateful that you're going to be taking over this next month. Um, I know we're in great hands. I wish you all the luck. Um, and uh, also, I'm excited for you to have fun and meet some of the people that you've been wanting to talk to for a long, long time. Thank you so much, Andrew. Well, uh, we'll talk to you soon. And listeners, um, thank you for listening to another episode of State of the Art. I'm leaving you in awesome hands for the next few weeks with Michelle Hartney speaking on art and morality. So tune in next week to hear Michelle take State of the Art for this divisive conversation. As always, listeners, thank you for tuning in to this episode of State of the Art. And uh, if you like what we're doing here at State of the Art or if you like this episode, please rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Five-star reviews are always great. That's the most helpful thing you can do to help us, to help us grow, and to find other awesome listeners that like the same things you do. So thank you so much again, and I hope you tune in next week for another episode of State of the Art.